0: gym podcast. Greg, welcome to the podcast. How are we doing? I'm good, sir. I'm good. How are you? I'm, I'm wonderfully well. I'm wonderfully well. I'm glad to um, finally get this going. I think it's been, what, two years in the making? Yeah, at least 12 months. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's been going on for a while. But we're here. We're here. And I think you are no. going to be my last episode as well.
1: I will, I will settle for the last as opposed to saving the best to last. But yeah, I'm here. That's the main thing. We're well yes.
0: excited. I'm looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to it. So usually, Greg, I ask my guests to come armed, armed with a log line. Um, what, mm-hmm. what would yours be?
1: Uh, So I was I was mulling this over since we last spoke and, and quite rapidly today going back and forth on it. But I think it's going to be common sense will
0: prevail. Common sense will prevail. I like it. We'll, we'll come back to that in just a sec. But... Um, yeah. I need you to pick six numbers for me, please, from one to a hundred.
1: Okay. Uh I will count them as I go. Uh I'll do one. Okay. Um one hundred. Yep. Uh
0: let's do eighty eight. Eighty-eight.
1: Um fifty. Fifty. Uh two and thirteen.
0: I'm thirteen. Perfect. We'll come back to them a little bit later on. So, okay. So, I guess, Greg, like you know, we've we've been talking for for a while, but I guess some of my listeners mm. might not know who you are. So maybe you could give us a bit of a whistle stop tour of kind of who you are, where you've come from, and, and actually where you are right now. I guess.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so the main the main kind of things I sort of say when when I kind of introduce myself in the work work ways is that I do. Or well, my my kind of interest and background is in social and experiential learning. So less around things that are traditional learning or classroom based, it's more around people doing things and how they would do them naturally in their their everyday life rather than in this kind of, kind of setting of of um kind of corporate learning or when they're kind of being told, by the way, this is a learning thing for you to do. Um and I guess you know my LinkedIn kind of has It all kind of plastered, but I've, a bit, I've been around. Um, so I've been spent some time at um BP, where I guess the uh, you know, there was a lot of really really great minds there that are still there, and some that moved on. Um, I think you've had most of them on your show as well. Um, and uh, did a quick time, a uh, quick bit of time at ASOS, um, which was which was pretty interesting, very different to other places I've been. Um GP where you are now. Um I was at HSBC via GP. Um and then from there I went to where I am now and I'm at PMI, so Philip Morris. Um I've been there since uh, October, not last year, but the year before. So about 18 months now. Um and most of my roles have been in kind of social experiential learning. Um uh and then and then this this time with PMI. It started off the first year, pretty much, pretty much that. Lots of really fun projects to talk about there. Um, and then in December, just gone. Um, I, I was um, approached to to move into the uh, they call it Gold Studio, which is basically global online learning design. So the acronym fits the fits the terminology quite well. Um, so basically, it's like an internal design team within within PMI. So there's uh, six of us there now. So graphic ux animation designers and um and the dev as well so um really really crazy talented team um uh i just uh i feel a bit like the silly one at times like i can't i can't do what those guys do but um but collectively we get some some really cool things out the door so yeah so it's been it's been a bit of a whirlwind of all sorts of things
0: nice nice so so i guess kind of you mentioned um, ASOS was 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 different, and you know it was kind of mm. you know a different experience. How how do you mean? Um, I would say it probably
1: it it was it was a really good move. I met some really cool people. Um, very So i have been at BP for seven years, six seven years before then. So even just on the face of it, you know, if you imagine what we're working for, a great big global oil and gas company is like going to work to a very cool um you know online fashion company like it's night and day in terms of you know working for for both of those um and obviously things that that come with a very big corporate that is a bit more established has you know lots of process and you know budget and and very set ways of doing things to go somewhere like asos where as much as they have a very outward facing you know they've got it down in terms of their outward facing approach internally it felt a bit like not in a not in a negative way at all just felt a bit like they were they were kind of working out what they were going to do mm. um and I know you had adam on um who was who was again you know great to kind of bounce ideas off and stuff um uh but again i think they were kind of getting there so i've seen some of the stuff that they've done way after i'd left um which was very cool lots of cool things i think when i was there it's probably uh, um probably wasn't the right time sorry right place wrong time that was the best way to explain it so um yeah but again very different to working at bp so a bit of a culture shock for me at that point
0: yeah i can imagine that's that's quite a big change right (laughs) it's quite other than gas to fashion um so obviously, at PMI, you mentioned some of the cool stuff that you're up to. I guess you mm. know maybe maybe you could share a little bit of, of of what what that is. Like you know, you mentioned you moved on to a team with UX and stuff, and and we've spoke about this mm. in the past around the future of L and D teams and stuff like that. So yeah, maybe maybe you could mm. share a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah, sure. So um, so I sit in the uh, center of excellence team um for, for learning. So rather than functional team or a market team it's a, a kind of almost like the global md team best way to to word it um and so before i moved into that design team um, i was doing a, a, a learning design role um and and i guess you've had we've spoken about this before like you know when you go for interviews for places and they basically promise you the earth On a stick, or you know, or they promise you all the things you say. I, you know, for my next role, I want to have this, 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 and this, and this. And someone just sits across and nods and goes, "Yes, we can, we can do all of those things." And then you 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 start working there, or you hear from other people, and you go, "Actually, it's it's another fairly generic corporate learning role." Um, when I was when I was interviewing at PMI, um, I kind of asked the things that. We've spoken about loads of times about, you know, what I'd like from the role and, and the, the freedom to be a bit creative. Um, obviously with the caveat that it is for a corporate company. It's not, it's not a startup. It's not, you know, it's not my own thing. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and it was all kind of mentioned, you know, be creative, it's encouraged, you know, free thinking. Um, and it's and i've not really looked back it's been everything that i've kind of wanted and more as as um has happened so in terms of projects uh you know we uh, you know change is a big thing for a lot of people in a lot of companies for a lot of different reasons one that one of the projects i worked on was um was around helping people understand what changes for them so rather than just a generic we're going to put you through a New change program and and, and give you a, a generic kind of change model to walk through. I wanted people to be able to take it for themselves, so a bit of self discovery and work out what it really means for them as an individual, as opposed to, well, I've given you the leaflet on change. So can you please just get on with it and be cool with it? Um, so the the brief I got just before not this Christmas, last Christmas, um, for my boss was, oh, by the way, just while you're off, can you over Christmas, can you just think about a, a solution for for change for you know tens of thousands of people but it has to be digital um have a nice christmas and it was it was super brief and i was thinking okay that's that's interesting um, and i thought you know i'll have a think about it so i came up with an idea of around like a uh and before i test it with anyone i, d- I thought i'll run this by them and see what they say and it was around like a digital time capsule so that the teams can start to think about, um, you know, change doesn't happen overnight, whether it's the change you're personally going through or your team, your company, whatever it is. Um, and also the behaviors that go around that and the mindset shift and um, all the things that go around it and also the dependencies So people around you, how that affects what's happening for you and stuff. So I kind of thought about well, if you, if you've been like when you do when you use things like my fitness pal or If you've ever done the the Joe Wicks body coach 90 days thing where you take a photo of yourself at the beginning, after month one, month two, so rather than taking a photo every day, you just do it in increments and say, do some work, then see what's happened. Like look back at what you've achieved in that last three or four weeks. And then look again in four weeks' time, look what you've achieved over the last four weeks and the four weeks before that. And you slowly start to see what's happening. So I was kind of thinking about it in, in that kind of, more of that kind of fitness tracker way. Um, in that rather than people just saying, I go on a course and I can get it, that they would start to document certain things at certain times over a longer period of time. And that becomes their their kind of timeline as to I start here, this is where I am right now. I do some things, I log it, I do some more things, I log that. And then you start to look back and rather than feeling like, I've just logged a load of stuff and I don't really know what's going on. You actually have this chronological timeline to say, ah, that intervention halfway through, that was really good. And that's now what's helped me. And I can see how that shaped me through the next two or three things that I've just done. Or I know that that was something at the very beginning that I thought I needed to work on, but really it's actually not that important. It's this thing over here. Um, And you have this... I want to say scrapbook or kind of time capsule thing where you kind of, you dig it back up and you look through it and go, that was great. I can see the change that I've gone through and I can find out what's important to me. And I want teams to go through it together so that they, so it doesn't, so you still have that individual element, but you also have that uh, kind of, I don't want to say tribe mentality, but you have that kind of group where you kind of say, well, we're all dependent on each other. So there might be a day where I ask you for some help. Because I know that you're really good at something, or you're mentally capable, or something I'm, you know, struggling with. But then the week after, it might be a different topic, and it's something that you come to me for support. So that's how things, you know, help each other out. You know, we're all we're all here to achieve something. So just help each other out, share skills. You don't always have to go and ring a trainer. You can, <laughs> you can, you know, leverage uh, the people around you. So, um, so yeah, so uh so that's that's literally being released uh we did we did some pilots at the end of last year um a couple of pilots around around the globe some really great feedback lots of you know let's let's just see what people do with this over a long period of time um and we're starting to roll that out at the moment um you know to to market so um so yeah, so really, so it's been it's been about a year in the making. Um, so I'm really excited to see that that go out and um, and see what people do with it. So um, exciting times.
0: Yeah, I really like that. I think you know when we talk about experiences and creating experiences, you know, I guess there's application, right? There's that real tangible mm-hmm. a- application of it. But actually, I think one of the biggest things which which you're talking about there is kind of that shared experience because you know. Mm-hmm a lot of times the the most important experiences and the ones we remember are ones that we shared, right? That's like why we remember weddings and christenings. And and unfortunately, sometimes we remember funerals. It's because, you know, me and you could have a a great shared experience and in five years time, I can go, oh, do you remember that time when X, Y, Z? Mm. And it can instantly Mm. recall that. So I think what what you tapped into there is is also that power of that shared experience, all of you going through change.
1: Well, that's it. That's it. And I guess it's, you could you could pull ten people from if you went into any office in any company and just pull ten people at random off the floor and ask them what what's happening for them at the moment with whatever's happening for their company, I imagine there's going to be some similarities. so things like I don't know, um, there's a new head of coming in. Nobody knows who they are, nobody knows what they're they're about. It's all very secret some people might be a bit nervous, some people might be very excited, but it all ties back to the same reason. But then the actual emotions and the the byproduct of that can all be different depending on the person. Like, how do I talk to that person? What if my role becomes different or, you know, whatever it's going to be, like maybe not the best example. But um, but the point of it being is, is like you were saying, the shared experience, and the reason I wanted teams to go through it rather than individuals is that they they encourage each other and they can rely on each other and that nobody goes to work and sits there on their own in a, in a room or on an office floor filled with other people and never speaks to them. Like everyone speaks to at least the people around them. So why should they go through a program that means that they just go on it on their own? Don't talk to anyone. You know, I want them to share that Want them to be a bit like, um, I feel like when you get things like Facebook Memories pop up, you know, twelve months ago you did this, you know, or celebrate this six years tag to this person. Um, trying to take those things that people already take onto or use every day, and just start to put it into a, a learning solution, so that people don't feel that it's more of a uh, I think best word for it. So you don't feel like it's another kind of corporate program being rolled out to them but it actually feels like it's something that's beneficial to them trying to achieve something so they can actually track their own progress and it's not a generic set of progress so it's not just oh i've ticked all the boxes so i'm done it's i've ticked i've drawn out the boxes i want to tick and i've chosen when to tick them that's the that's the point so it becomes very personal to them from that shared experience
0: and i think it's spot on i think you know when we, for me, this kind of falls in this macro experience design because, mm. for me, I think experience design has a light side and a dark side. Now, stay with me <laughs> here, Greg. So let's try to explain this. So, so and the reason behind <laughs> it is, is when you when you have an experience, your experience, you know, just something as simple as the start of an experience, right? You can yeah. go into an experience curious. Or you can go into an experience fearful. Like one's light and one's quite curious child, and another one's quite fearful. I'm not looking forward to this. I don't. I don't want to be mm. here. And, and and most experiences have that light side you know mm. exploration versus hiding you know there's, there, there's two different sides to that experience and i think when when we talk about experiences it you know we're, there's always experiences happening and sometimes you're the kind of you know the that you're the antagonist you're you're the main person in that experience right you're the if you were mm. to put it in a play you're the lead actor but sometimes you're also the kind of like Um, backstage, not the backstage but you like the supporting cast and I think it's Mm. understanding at which, you know, even though that experience is happening for you, sometimes you're not the lead in that experience and it's you're Mm. you're part of somebody else's experience it's a way to try and explain but I think it's really powerful
1: Yeah I completely get what you mean, I I think it's um, I think what I'm trying to do is on a similar level to that but even on a more simplistic level is that whilst you're kind of help you get to those bits where you are the lead character to to use your analogy and those things that are your uh you know your oscar winning moments if we take the analogy even further there's going to be bits where where it kind of maybe doesn't you know that that scene doesn't really take off nobody really cares but the reason you're doing something might be or the things you're doing might actually affect somebody else and that you can then support, or there's bits where we talk about things like uh, like experimenting with work, like new behaviours, like new ways of working together. And there can be tasks or behaviours, getting people just to try them out and see what works, see what doesn't work. I mean, is it something where you can be more efficient if you're more direct? It's like we well, might be, but you might end up upsetting each other. So, you know, what's what's the happy medium? You know, try again. You know, document it. Talk about. How you felt with that, you know, um get people to 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 understand it's okay to try things out and fail and go, well, that didn't work, but here's why it didn't work. We could maybe do this, here's the byproduct of that. Um I think just helping people to to kind of have that space to try things out um and and understand what's right for them. That's that's the that's the you know,
0: quite a lot of it. Yeah, and I think I think things such as like you know the hero's journey and mapping out that is is really is really important when it comes to kind of experience design for sure. But mm. I, I guess kind of coming back to something what we said right at the start, which was your tagline, and I kind of just want to break that down a little bit actually. So you, you mentioned yeah. kind of um, common sense will prevail. So yeah, maybe maybe walk us through that and break that down a little bit.
1: Yeah, and um, so a couple of guys I work with at the moment are. Um, Really skilled and have a lot of knowledge on on UX. Um, I know it's a term that you and I spoke about this before. Where some people in not even just in learning, but in lots of industries, just throw the term UX around as if as if they know what it means, and they spend time designing it. Um, and they and they haven't. They just think it's something they should be saying. Whereas these guys really really get it, and they really you know they can really kind of walk and talk it. Um, and it's really helped me come along in my understanding of it and how I, can, how I can not only use it, but how it affects things like straight out learning design or even things like usability, those kind of things. So one of the things that we were talking about previously, and it kind of just fell out of conversation, someone was saying it's, well, it's, you have to remember that what you're designing isn't for you. Like it's not for you to take home and for you to use, it's for an audience. So you have to know a little bit about your audience, or actually quite a lot about your audience, and you have to understand why you're even doing this thing, and what's the point of it. What would happen if if you didn't do that thing? Like, you know, if if you didn't release your product or you didn't go with that design, does anyone care? Would anything happen? Like, would anything bad happen? Um, And a lot of that just feels very, very logical, very common sense. Like, you wouldn't just, you wouldn't. You wouldn't do a lot of things blindfolded. Like you wouldn't cross the road blindfolded. You would look and check. You wouldn't do your shopping with all the labels taken off in the supermarket. So why would you design something completely blind as to who you're doing it and why you're doing it, or who you're doing it for and why you're doing it for them? Um, it feels a bit like it's just sense to to do these things and to ask them you know, some really basic questions like what would stop you doing this? What stops you doing these things at the moment? What challenges do you have? You know, why would why would this work for you? Just because you like something doesn't mean it's good for you. Like I love chocolate. I love cake and chocolate and all the things that are bad. <laughs> if I have too much of it, it's really bad for me. I'm not really a big fan of broccoli, but I have to have it. It's good for me. So it's that kind of, rather than just saying, what do you like? And I'll give it to you. It's more, why are you doing this? You know, what's the point? And it just, again, it's more that common sense kind of thinking around learning design and visual design and the execution of all of those things combined.
0: Yeah. And I think it, you, you touched on a, on a point there and and it's something I keep going back, you know, when I'm working with, with, with you know, with clients and stuff is, is similar. Like I kind of call the two key points of sense making and sense checking. And um, mm. sense making is something like, is this what you're talking about really kind of what you think it is? And a lot of times it is that kind of thing of getting to the root cause, right? Like, Oh, we've got mm. this, this is a problem. Actually, once you get in and dig in and start answering them, like say, what, what can seem like common sense questions, you go, actually, you know, this is, this is not the initial. And, and it's like a masking cause, right? People, mm. p- people cover the root cause with these masking kind of causes. And I think, that sense-making and understanding your audience. Like, I think we've talked about this in the past, Greg, but we have our own little sat- kind of sanity checks. Like, mine is my Leah test, mm-hmm. and I've run a lot of this, the stuff what I design or, or get an understanding. I'll, I'll reach out to my niece and my nephew, and which is bizarre <laughs> because, like, they're not in the corporate world, right? But mm. I also think, actually, I don't need them to be experts in it, but if we get the general gist of something, then I've I broke yeah. it down to be it so it's more inclusive rather than exclusive and i mm. think we, we've got our own little tests at kind of how we do that but one of the things what i have noticed recently is dyslexia so i you know we've, we've spoke i i have dyslexia but mm. yet we never really see many people going actually we need to run this with people who have got you know learning difficulties or or struggling with yeah. dyslexics or whatever it's it's an interesting topic for sure mm.
1: i think it's um I think it's almost understanding that this comes down to a usability point. Mm. I think understanding once you understand what it is you're trying to achieve, then you almost work backwards as to what's going to stop somebody achieving that or getting the most out of it. And is it something like, and it could be something like like language, like you know, it's only going to be available in one language, but you're sending it out to 50 countries. That could be a straight out, you know or countries that don't speak the language you're putting in. Or then it could be down to things like, as you're saying, people that are dyslexic, and it could be around, um, well, how do we make this so that it's not pulling on the, or it's the triggers to get to the the impact and not things that are going to slow people down and not those triggers that don't help. So maybe reducing the amount of text Mm. or speaking too fast or is it something more visual that is more universal so, you know, things like the use of icons, again, this came out of some chats with our designers that icons are a great way, a great way to universally display some information. You don't need to have any words on them. You can just be, here's an icon. Everyone knows, everyone knows that three lines uh, horizontally stacked on top of each other probably means a menu on a website. You mm-hmm. click on those three lines, you probably get a menu that pops down. You don't need to put the word menu in there in any language say but what? But with things like you were saying about usability and dyslexia, that kind of stuff, people use things like that as more decoration or yeah. oh, I need to fill some space here, so I'll, I'll put that in. But they're not thinking about the function or the functionality of what they're doing. And I think that's a huge part of design is if you can explain it to somebody that doesn't get it or, or has things that will hinder them getting to the point of it, can you remove them? And can they still get there? So again, we were talking about your your grief with with uh, the USBC things on on Apple products these days. Um,
0: yes, but you know, me. What, <laughs>
1: the, the dramas of USBC. Um, but like, how you know, they they make a shed ton of money out of selling laptops, which are really great. So you know how how much detail do they have to go through to say we're just going to put this out there and spend a lot of money and time building these things and we have no idea if anyone's going to buy them you know what what do they go through to say this one product has to fit an inordinate amount of countries skill levels um you know for people that are super basic just want a nice thing to people that are incredibly talented and technical and need a very powerful thing you know yeah. They, you know, how do they have? How do they find a one size fits all for all of those people? So there's must be a huge amount of consideration and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think that with something like say, you know, say with Apple, they they went for the exclusive first, right? Like originally, Apple was the exclusive thing, the thing what was costly, and the, and they, they targeted that and created their demographic quite well. I think over time mm. now, like you say, it's it has become a. a, a bit better more about being more inclusive and more inviting for others um mm. but i think you know apple apple are ballsy aren't they? they get rid of the auxiliary they get rid of certain things and and most of the time other companies you know follow the apple suit i think the only time they really haven't is probably things like the mouse apple mouse my god that's a bad product that's a bad product um, <laughs> but yeah we're not here to slate apple products i guess but but I guess kind of one of the things I want to touch on it, like we talked about, um, you know, the the time capsule and stuff, which you mentioned a little bit, mm-hmm. about the time machine. But and 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 feel free, you know, to take this personal, professional. But when we go in for interviews, and we're kind of told, you know, you've got to be, you've got to show the best side of you and all the things you've done. And I think actually one of the questions we should be asking for interviews is actually, what's your failure resume? Like, what is your failure CV? <laughs> What's what's the one thing what jumps out on your fairly CV? There's
1: there's probably quite a few. <laughs> um, I would even I'd actually even say the time capsule thing. The first time, the first time I piloted it, it got panned. Like it got seriously panned um, by my my immediate peers. Uh, one of which I, I won't say who it was, but one because I think they might be listening at some point. But one of them said, if I could throw my laptop out the window, I would have done. And I was like, oh man, I did say be brutal, but I didn't mean like, like literally (laughs) so brutal. But it was really great feedback. So I was like, well, okay, why is that? Why did you want to do these things? And it was really great. It was things that I didn't even think about because i would spent so long staring at it. I was like, this is great. I can't wait to see what they think about it. And then they were like, I really hate this. I really don't like it. And here's the things that I don't like about it. Um, but it made a really good product at the end of it, which was which was great, which was really great. Um but then I guess on a more career level, I guess I don't know. It's um I guess you only know once you start doing something. And again, I know we keep saying we've spoken about this before, but we have spoken about this before <laughs> is is that you know, you you kind of you one one of the one of the things that I had in a previous interview was the guy. The guy kind of stopped halfway through and just said, "Look, I'm buying. You're selling. What am I buying? What are you selling?" As in me for the company and him employing me. And I'd said, you know, went through my you know, my spiel of why you should hire me. He went through a a little kind of thing of here's what I expect in this person to do the role. And we kind of spoke about it, and I just thought. Both of us felt a bit like afterwards. The more I think about it, more I thought was great question. But I think we both panicked because he was running out of time, and I had to think on the spot what are the five things I should say that you know, will get me this job. Mm. Um, but I guess yeah, until you, until you until you do those things, until you go through them, you don't really know, or right. you don't really know enough, or you don't know enough to make a proper decision. You're just making a guess. So if you get offered three jobs and you choose you know, job two, all you're doing is guessing on what they've, they've told you. You've not, you've not done those three jobs yet. You've not worked in those places or done the commute, worked with the team, done some projects. You're just, you're kind of guessing. So I don't know if that answers your
0: question or not. Yeah, hindsight, right? It's hindsight. It's a wonderful <laughs> thing. It's a wonderful thing. Yes. So so I guess flipping that question out there then, and this is probably more a personal one really, but What's been your and you can do it over I don't know over the last three years, five years, whatever. But what's been the mm. most pers- your most personal success or your most recent one? That's a thinker. Um I think I think the, the stuff I'm doing
1: now, and it's not just because I work with them <laughs> right now, but I'd say that the products that I'm that I've worked on in the last eighteen months here have been the most rewarding. Um there's been there's been no kind of, or the, if there's been restrictions, it's been kind of like uh, like proper challenges to say, this this could be good, but could it be better? Or have you thought about this? Or before you release it, have you done this? Like, or let's go and let's go and test this a few more times and get some more feedback. All these kind of things, basically things that kind of made every project that I've worked on so far really proud to say, look what I've done. Like I really I'm really to show this rather than just oh that project's done I move on to the next one now. Um and I would say yeah that the the main three that I've worked on so far at PMI have been have been yeah all things I would say in terms of every solution or every project I've worked on previously those have been the ones that have that have not just been a kind of a nice idea that have been knocked back into more of a standard solution. They've been kind of encouraged and seen through to the end and um yeah, really really pretty pretty happy with all of them I'd say. So I'd say pretty much my time at PMI so far has been has been my my biggest achievement or physical success, whichever way it was worded. But yeah. Um and the things I've done there. So hey sorry we interrupted your podcast, but we just wanted to let you know about Venderly, where finding learning has developed. At Vendorly, we understand the pain points of looking for reliable vendors and securing new clients. We've created a platform to help you with this, save you time and help you flourish. We want you to be the first to see it. So head over to vendorly.co.uk and take a peek. That's Venderly with a double N.
0: So I guess these are going to be more like um, more buzz questions, I guess. Quick fire round if you like. So... If you had to give a gift as a book to five people, what book would you give?
1: What book would I give? Um, I would give them 1001 albums to listen to before you die.
0: Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and and why that one? Why that one?
1: Um, I've never finished it. Um, so I would want them to divide and conquer and help me <laughs> and help me create the ultimate playlist but also i got it a couple of years, well, a couple of years maybe five ten years ago um and obviously there's been more things come out since then um and i'm just wondering of uh, everything ever that's been released up until whenever that book came out five ten years ago how did they condense it down to a thousand and one and what would i immediately strike off and then also just have a a completely nerdy music chat about the strokes and whatever else is in there that we think is great. So yeah, I think there would be lots of late night conversations about good, bad and argumentative albums.
0: There's um there's definitely a podcast in the making for that, surely. Just literally <laughs> pull out one of the albums, talk about it, pull out another album. There's a there's what, well, there's a thousand and one episodes right there for you if you want
1: <laughs> I- I know James is doing something on, um, I think it was 2017 or 2018. That it was like he, he was saying it was the perfect year of music. So I think he's already beat me to it, and he already has a pretty good following. I think it might be me and you listening to it if I did that, but we can still do it.
0: <laughs> so, so this next one then is is more is is the dreaded billboard question. And um, okay, so story goes like this: you've got a billboard. And it's outside, outside outside a stadium and a million people are going to come out of this stadium and we're going to see your billboard, your message or what you do with that billboard. What would you do or say to inspire people? What am I inspiring them to do? That can be up to you.
1: Maybe that's it. That's what I put up. What am I inspiring you to do? And, and then that's it. And then let them think about it. Hypothetical
0: okay okay i like it i like it good thinking good in a good nice in a, in a
1: in a in a nice in a nice uh set font. just to upset the designers in my in my team i don't want them to make it pop I hate it when i say that <laughs> <laughs> um yeah yeah what am i inspiring you to do i think yeah the more i think about it it sounds quite profound but it probably is potentially meaningless but yeah, yeah. I think if you read a great big question on a billboard, you're probably going to think about it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. I think I think that's a good shout. I think it's a good choice, that one for sure. So this next one: When can you remember the first time you ever got in trouble?
1: Yes. Okay. Yeah, the first time I remember. I've been told there's been times before then, but yeah, I can't remember then because I was too young. But yeah, I can remember the first time.
0: Yeah. yeah want to share what what happened there
1: <laughs> <laughs> um so the, the times so i have a brother who's two years older um and um so we always as kids were, were and still are very very close but obviously don't fight as much now because we're grown-ups and a bit more sensible but as kids we probably broad a little bit um but i remember the first proper time i got in trouble i'd I'd been given some money for an ice cream, and we lived up a hill. And then at the bottom of the hill, on the corner, was a petrol station where we got ice creams. So I'm running down the hill and running at the door to go and to go and get my ice cream because say I love chocolate and all things nice. But the, the glass was so clean, I didn't realise it was shut. Like the door was shut, and I just ran full pelt straight into the door um i knocked myself out and shattered the glass on this um petrol station Whoa. um and uh i got in a bit of trouble for that but um i had a really massive lump on my head so it's a pretty good story to go to school and be like hey good i did <laughs> um <laughs> not when i went home I was like oh yeah i still did that yeah i still didn't get my ice cream
0: <laughs> so i guess talking and- Kinda of stay with your childhood a little bit. When you was in school and the teacher used to say to you, Greg, what do you want to be when you grow up? What what did you used to say?
1: Probably a load of really stupid things, but <laughs> I think it ranged from from silly things like being in Guns N' Roses, uh, or or yeah, being some kind of famous musician or just being a musician at some point. And then um I don't think Again, and I've heard a lot of people say they never, they never, as a child or during school, thought I would like to be in learning. Um, but I did want to be an art teacher when I was in sixth form. Um, so a really cool art teacher called Mister Banks, who was, who um, was just, he was like a, a clean version of the dude from Big Lebowski. Like he had kind of beard and kind of longer hair, and was just very cool and was really into art and. Uh, and cool drinks and yeah he was just a cool guy um turns on some really cool bands and um yeah he was awesome and I thought oh, if I can be like him when I'm older that's pretty cool. Um but other than that I think I think it was either yeah an extra member in Guns N' Roses or an art teacher.
0: Okay. Okay, cool. So so I guess kind of moving from teaching to learning. I'm sure there's there's a, a tangible link there somewhere. But um what I kind of want to dig a, a little bit into into L and guess, and and obviously just being mindful of time. I just want to um, we, we you know you're you're on social medias and stuff, which we can put in your in your LinkedIn and stuff. But do you think social media? What what's your take on L and D's presence on social media at the moment? Um, I don't know, I don't know. it's so it's a
1: it's a tricky one to talk, to. I don't know. It's a tricky one to kind of not sound like I'm bagging on it, and I'm and I'm not at all. But it, it feels a bit like when you go on social media, or when you go to learning tech or other conferences. It's a lot of not always the same people, but it's a lot of people collectively all saying the same things, all saying and all saying the right things but with no context um and i don't and i know i know quite a few of those people and they're all they all get it i know that they get it because i know what they do and I, you know we we talk and i've worked with some of them and, and you know they're incredibly smart people and they probably don't want to give all that context every time because you know their tweets would be twenty thousand like an essay every time but it's when people just sort of say the same sort of stuff. So on LinkedIn, you get people posting these kind of motivational things um, and these really inspiring stories, but with no context as to what they did, what the actual product was and how it helped. It's just a very light, inspirational thing of, I had a really great time doing this. And it's like, okay, I had a great time doing this as well. Or we should be closer to the business. And it's like, okay, I, I agree, but how? And is that different business to business? Um, and I don't know. I don't know whether it's whether it's just a symptom of social media only gives you X amount of space to fill, or there's just so much to cram in. You because you can just scroll, and you know. Um, did you ever hear the term "thumb stoppers"? No, no. So, like, someone was telling me about, or I read an article somewhere about. Like when you're scrolling down a feed, whether it's Twitter or LinkedIn or whatever it's gonna be, like the thing that makes you stop that scroll uh with your thumb is a is a thumb stopper. So basically like it's more of a marketing thing of you know, you're just seeing a blur of content because you're scrolling quite quickly. What's the what's the thing in your content that makes someone go, Oh, I'm gonna watch that? What is it? Do they see a silhouette of a of a cat and go, oh, it's a cat video, I'm going to watch this. Or it's a really colourful image in a sea of grey images that go on and stop and see those it's colourful. Like, I I don't know what the thumb stop would be for me if I, if I was looking for some interesting learning stuff on social media. I don't know what it would be. So, I'm not a huge contributor to it. Um, so, that's, that's on me. But, um, I don't know, there just seems to be lots of talk but not as much practical advice for people that maybe don't get it as much or they hear things like we should be close to the business but then they're kind of going okay how do I do that what what what's the first thing I should do um so I don't know I don't know I'm glad there is a presence because at least someone's talking about it I just don't know if it's um I don't know if it's as useful as it could be but then, but then likewise I don't I don't contribute to it very much so I'm not exactly particularly helpful on it myself. So um I don't know. What's what's your view on it? Oh I know you're quite a heavy contributor.
0: Good 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 deflection here, Greg. So um <laughs> I, I I bounce between this question and and the reason why I, I put it in there is because I, I think it's an enjoyable question to kind of think on. Um depends. I think I think there's, you've got you've got, ten percent of the people doing ninety percent of the noise, um yeah, I mean you know eight to twenty kind of demonstrates that, um, but I don't know sometimes, sometimes I want to use social media to escape your LinkedIn social media, like I I want to use social media to escape my personal my professional social media, and I find mm. it's too easy to blur them to now um so like for example instagram my instagram is pretty it's pretty personal right it's like it's my personal stuff it's my personal friends it's a bit like what happens with facebook before you know it mm-hmm. you've got work people adding you on facebook and you've got oh, i mean i get i get requests on link, on instagram from from like lms providers and i'm just like wow mm-hmm. so so i i like it I like it. I think it's valuable. I also think it, you know, it can be a bit destructive sometimes. I think mm. social media makes it easier to kind of lift and shift over people's stuff. Um, So I, I don't know. Yes. I, I sit, yeah. I sit on it. I sit on it. I sit on it. It depends on what day you get me, I guess. And if I've been triggered by something or not.
1: I do. I do see what you mean about it being easy to, to steal stuff. Um, and again, I'm not, I'm not a huge, poster on kind of learning social media uh, platforms or posts or anything like that but i have it it is interesting when you read something and it's kind of you know the topic of the moment and you see somebody has taken some time to to write out their thoughts on it and then somebody else goes and posts it different image slightly different title you're thinking i've read this somewhere either this is a really you know really good topic and or it's a really prevalent topic and everyone's talking about it, or someone has written it and some others have just literally stolen it, plagiarized it, and slapped it back up somewhere else under a, a slightly different guise. But yeah. Um but yeah, but, but like you're saying as well, the, the you know, like you said, the ten percent doing ninety percent of the noise. Um yeah, but then they're all people that that kind of know their stuff. So at least if there are going to be 10% of people making most of the noise, at least it's the right people who know their stuff and they can, you know, if, if you did challenge them on it, they can probably give you a pretty good response. Um, so it's not, I don't feel like there's, there's, I don't feel like when I read stuff from those, that 10% that they're winning it, which is nice. So you do, you know, as a, as a kind of bit of a voyeur you do kind of reach go oh that's really interesting i might look into that a bit more because i trust the source um i just wonder if it's if it's if it's useful for people that may be brand new to this thing or have been in learning for a long long time and have never really had to shift their thinking in any way and they're kind of thinking well i've always done this and it always works so why would i do something differently or why would i think about these terminologies or is that just going to be the next buzzword that people say for six months and i'll wait for the next one and just write it out you know mm. i don't know i don't know i don't know i guess i guess it you know, takes all sorts
0: it's, it's a tricky one for me so I've, I've had people lift and shift my work and mm. to some extent I'm like good it's there to be lifted and shifted in some respect but for me it's that thing of not just giving a nod to where you've got it from so like i've, I've seen someone lift and shift my work and Mark tried to mark it as their work, and it's literally, mm. literally lifting, shifted one of my blog posts from LinkedIn, mm. and I'm just like, oh. I mean, I don't know. The, the the problem is is obviously if someone's if someone's lifting, and shifting, or, or copying your work or whatever, you know, the saying goes like it's the highest form of whatever, like that someone's copying. But mm. the problem I have is if I spent four or five years researching this and doing this. And then someone comes along, lifts and shifts it. It completely loses its value and watered down. And then I think hmm. the domino effect of that is it only needs to happen three or four times for it to completely lose its value and be a thousand miles away from the original idea.
1: I I, I, I agree with you. The only thing I would challenge is it's the practical application of it. So just because they can, so anyone can. You know, I was going to say even my mum could. Mum's probably not the best example my mum could potentially copy and paste your article. I she could paste it, I don't know, but she could probably copy it. Um, but somebody who is a bit more tech savvy can copy your article, change a few words, and post it back up. So yeah. they give the perception that they can do it. So they have all the tools, and they have the words, because it's your words, and they can post it back up. But if someone actually asked them and said, can you give me an example? Or I'm doing something and I want to use that um, can you, can you give me a hand or some guidance on that? And they can't, then that's when they start to fail. And there's a, there's a really good, uh, uh, what's his name? Roger Waters line from Pink Floyd, where some guy asks him, is it like, you know, the height of their kind of mania of dark side of the moon? Someone says to him, you've got all this equipment and there's only like four of you. Like, are you actually doing anything? Or are you just turning machines on and getting it to do it for you? And he basically sort of stares this guy out for a bit and then just says, another four guys in here and leave this with them for a month, but they won't be able to create what we've just created. And he's basically saying, firstly, we're incredibly intelligent and we're incredibly talented um, and we've honed our craft over years and years and we've made Dark Side of the Moon, which is pretty mental. Like you could get four other guys in and just make bloops and bloops and it's yeah. irrelevant. So, so just because they have the same machines or in your case, the same content, it doesn't mean they can actually do the practical application of it. So I think that's where I think that's where my kind of social media kind of sitting on the fences a little bit is there's a lot of people with the right chat and saying the right things, but I don't know if there's enough people talking about the practical application of it. And like I say, I'm not a huge poster so it's probably I'm probably not the right person to say, can somebody help them out with this so um, um but yeah that's that's the way I would look at it i i I agree with you, it's frustrating, but um I would just sleep safe in the knowledge that they probably can't execute it the way the way you would because it's your it's your idea, it's your content.
0: So I guess kind of keeping on social media for a second because we've only got a couple of minutes left now, Greg. Um, who's the top five people you recommend? And this doesn't have to be professional; it can be anyone. But who's the top five people you recommend people should follow on social media?
1: For learning or just in general? Um, just for jokes? Yeah, you can you can you can you can
0: you can go wherever <laughs> you want to go with it, Greg.
1: Um, who would I say? Uh. So one of the guys on my team is a huge LBC lover. So definitely James O'Brien for all your news and your uh, your lefty getting upset with stuff. Um uh that's probably more of a political thing. I would say also in you know, going back to learning, um obviously Nick um is pretty good, pretty post pretty regular. Um and also I don't follow Roger Shank, but I know that they get into a back and forth quite a lot, which is quite interesting. So at least you see those, um, which is nice. Um, I'm going to open up my Twitter now, actually, and just have a quick look, because there's a couple of people I would say pretty decent. Um, Gemma, I know you've had Gemma on a few times. Um, Again, knows her stuff. Definitely worth following. And just, and again, avid poster. So loads of stuff on there to, to follow. Um, who else is there? These are all the BP people anyway so far. Um, <laughs> apart from James O'Brien, unless he's ever worked at BP. <laughs> um, who else? I'm a little flick through as we're talking. I wasn't expecting this one. Um, I would also follow... There's a friend of mine, it's his wife called Betty Adamu, Adamou, A D A M O U. Um, and she's got a company called Research Through Gabing, um, which is quite an interesting, um, interesting concept. Um, so I would definitely check her out. Um, she has a book out on the same company as as Nick through through Coding Page. So um I would um definitely check her out. And hers is pretty much all work stuff so there's very little personal things so if you want to you know use gaming to to help out research yeah and i would say i've got one more um either i think it's called fast future or or rohit tower either one of those two um for what kind of futurist kind of i guess they're kind of guesses at the moment but kind of educated guesses On what um the future of technology and not just learning but society and what those things will be um some really kind of terrifying but exciting things that come out of there as well so
0: cool okay cool um i'll have a search for them try and get them in the show notes so i guess last last two three questions and we're done really greg so right at the start of the session i asked you kind of what do you want to be when you know what what did you want to say to teach teacher when you asked what do you want to be when you grow up? And as you know, we know we never really stop growing up and growing older. So if I was to say to you now, Greg, what do you want to be when you grow up? What would you say?
1: Right now? Yeah.
0: Oh, dear. a um, dear All right. Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> no.
1: I'm just I'm having to think now. It's um, what would I want to be right now? I don't know. I I quite like, or I really like, and it sounds very cheesy and very like I'm toeing the line, but it's true. I think the more I do it, the more I kind of get into it. I quite like, um, pretty much straight out experience design, whether it's for learning or it's for product design or something like that. I don't think I've got that bit defined yet, but basically, it's the satisfaction of saying. I've made something and it's good. Like it's those two things basically. Um and I think you can only really get to that. You can get to one or the other, but you can only really get both if you do proper experience design. So whether that's yeah, like I say, the creating service, building the product, you know, that bit is a gray area for me. But I think something along those lines, at least you at least you know you've you've achieved something. I don't think I'd, I don't think if I won the lottery and I could do anything I want. I would sit around all day. I think I'd get too bored
0: too quickly. Cool, cool. okay. And I guess I asked you um to pick six numbers right at the start. and mm. the the thing is is you're on a desert island and these are six items you've picked up. Um, and I just need to know what you're gonna do with them. So okay. are, you, are you ready for these six items? Hit me. So you've got a condom, a, a what? A condom. Okay. Um, a twister mat, so you know the the game twister, and you still have a mat. Yeah. You've got that. You've got um a shoelace, a key ring, a rubber tyre, and a rubber duck. Oh man! Uh,
1: so I picked all the best things, there, right? Um, <laughs> um, and, and what am I going to do with them?
0: Yeah, on this desert island.
1: Oh man! Have I, so I've got a key. Is it a key ring or a key ring holder? Uh, Those little circle things.
0: Yeah, one of the little circle things. Oh, the rubbish bit! Um, I would, I would make the smallest
1: trap with my shoelace and key ring holder, so I can uh, catch some food. I'm assuming I'm, I'm, I'm stranded and I've got no. There's no food. I've got to go and find that as well. Correct um so yeah so that's my tiny kind of lasso to lasso I'm presuming small bugs at this point because I'm not getting that round anything uh tasty um the tyre and the rubber duck um I can go out to the sea in that um and I'll take the duck for a bit of company um it feel like I'm in the bath um but just a really big bath if I'm on a desert island um what else did I have? So those are four things I've used up. I had six, right? There's two other things I've yeah.
0: used up. Um so what have we got? Rubber duck, tyre, key ring, lace, twister map, and a condom. Twister map.
1: Matt even. I would No, do you know what? I'd keep the tire back. I'd have the tyre and the and the twister map and then the the other item I would use it to put around the tire, and then I can have the mat as a base. Then I can uh, I can fill it with water, and that could be my gigantic cup. Um, so yeah, that's what I uh, that's what I do. So so I haven't got any utensils. I'm going to hold water apart from my hand. So yeah, I'd make the tiniest lasso to catch some food have a gigantic thing to drink out of and um and the duck um he can just be my pal like I can I can just walk around with him he's my he's my pal he's my company
0: I like it I like it good skills Greg good skills
1: I think I'd be dead in three days <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so so Greg where, where can people find out a little bit more about you and and stay up to date with what you're what you're up to
1: uh, you can find me on LinkedIn um, so we're connected so I'm in your connections or you can find me on there um, and you can get me on Twitter but it'll the ramblings of somebody who is upset that they can't see Guns and Roses on Friday and other things about UFC fights that happened years ago and like oh, that looks interesting and maybe I'll watch that one day so Yeah, don't expect anything too coherent from my Twitter, but LinkedIn is probably the most sensible place.
0: Awesome. Cheers, Greg. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much.
1: Nice one. Thank you, sir.
0: Enjoy the rest of the evening. Bye-bye. You too. Cheers, pal.